And this is Deion Dawkins, man. And you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 9, Episode 15. I'm John DeCarlo, the editor of OwlScoop.com. Happy to be joined today by Ramir Vaughn, Johnny Zwizlak, and Declan Landis. We're all recording from our respective homes and not in the spacious alscoop.com studio. So we're doing this on Zoom for the first time in I don't know how long. Been a while. Declan, is that a nice coffee you're drinking? Yeah, it is. I uh late start to the day here. And what on average, when do you get up in the morning? I mean, it depends on what I'm doing the night before. You know, I had well, a- obviously had a had a hit of inspiration last night you know after the eagles game and started writing didn't get to bed till we'll just say late um but i had to get up this morning for to get my license renewed so i'd say on average probably like 10 a.m do you have the new picture not yet you're gonna love it though it's a good picture yeah our listeners can't see our listeners can't see the picture but maybe you'll maybe you'll tweet it out i'll tweet well i'm not gonna tweet out my license no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. That's bad advice on my part. But <laughs> if you want to do it, go yeah, ahead. You're going to love it. Trust me. A lot of stuff to, to get into for you guys today. Obviously, a lot of football, basketball. We have a, a one-on-one conversation with David Martin Robinson, who's going to be playing his final game in Temple Uniform on Friday when the Owls host the Memphis Tigers. Some mailbag questions we wanted to squeeze in an episode before the Thanksgiving holiday. Got some fun mailbag questions here for you guys as well. The Scoop, as always, is brought to you all by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law Grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. We'll get into some Thanksgiving talk in the, in the mailbag. I'm excited to hear about this. Before we start recording, Ramir told me what he's doing for Thanksgiving. And I, and I love his approach. It's it's funny. It's uh, He's casting a wide net in terms of acquiring lots of food. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about that. Famous number 15s. Declan, I'm I'm thinking of one former New York Giant. I don't know if you'll get it. Uh don't cheat. Former New York. I'm not cheating. We don't know. You could be. You're at home, left your own devices. Take my word on it. I'm not cheating. Because <laughs> I feel like if I was cheating, I would have gotten it by now. And yeah. I have absolutely no idea. Anybody f- famous 15s? Steve Van Buren. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Ramir, you're like the guy that's like calling Sonny Hill on Sunday morning on WIP. <laughs> Let me set the scene for you, Franklin Field. <laughs> Was the Giants Frank Gifford? I don't know if Frank Gifford wore number 15. He might have. Well, let's let's see here. I'm thinking of a backup quarterback for the Giants who I believe won a Super Bowl for them. Oh, geez. I know who you're talking about. I have no idea what his name is. Johnny, what do you have? The, the guy that lost Monday Night Football last night, Patrick oh, Mahomes. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Declan, you say you got inspiration from the Eagles game? I thought you were a Giants fan. 
Yeah, but I was just thinking of things during the gig, and I just happened to thinking of things. Just thinking. I do have an answer though. That uh, my dad, when I was washing the dishes, was like, "Hey, this is your answer for today." Okay, Michael Waltrip drove the number fifteen car in the two thousand one Daytona five hundred, his first ever NASCAR win, and that happened to be the same race that, unfortunately, the legend Dale Earnhardt passed away. So, hmm. there's your uh, there's your NASCAR one for today. There you go. That's all I got though. Oh, that's not true. Uh, Ron Artest. Not a world peace. And a world peace. I think he's actually is he back to round our test now? He might. He might be. <laughs> he is. Didn't Vince Carter wear 15? Yes, sir. Yes, good poll. The guy I'm thinking of, Declan, he started Super Bowl 25, 222 yards and a touchdown. Delivered, helped deliver it Super Bowl for the Giants. What a dedicated Giants fan you are. Steeped in the steeped in the team's history. I would think that you would know their starting quarterback for a year if they won the Super Bowl. In this game. Why? Well, he wasn't. You just said he was the backup. Because Phil Simpson Yeah, but it. still, I mean, like, Nick Foles was the backup. Everybody who knows who Nick Foles is, right? Yeah, but everybody on this call was, yeah, but... you know, alive. When that happened. All right, here we go. Playing the old card again. <laughs> My eye, I was not this alive is, for this This is not an history. ageist podcast. Oh. This is not an this is not an ageist thing. I'm just saying, like, this is back in the back in the day. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I did not study my lore. I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw Eli Manning and I was like, I'm a Giants fan. Jeff Hostetler. Uh, You've never heard of Jeff Hostetler? No, I know the name. I said I, I know I know who it's going to be when you say it. I just have no idea what his mm-hmm. name is. All right. Fair enough. Did Dave Hollins wear number 15 for the Phillies? Nelson Aguilar wore 15 in college. It's the reason he, he wore 17. Yeah. He, he wore 15 in college and I believe he wears 15 now. He does. Dave Hollins did wear number 15. So did Dick Allen. Dick Allen, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Let's talk about, first, as we get into this Temple football team, again, they're 3-8 and eight heading into the season finale. They're going to be underdogs against Memphis, and Memphis is coming off a loss to SMU in which they were playing for the opportunity to get into the American Athletic Conference championship game, and that's not going to be in the cards for them. But they're a pretty good football team, and like we said, David Martin Robinson, Temple's tight end, is going to be one of the seniors honored on Friday on Senior Day. So he's just the third tight end in Temple's program history to surpass 1,000 yards receiving in his career. The other two were Jeff Stemple and then Randy Grossman, who went on to win four Super Bowls with the Steelers. And then David also has the career receptions record, which he set last week in the UAB game, has uh, 38 catches for 506 yards and four touchdowns this season and 92 catches for 1,146 yards and six touchdowns in his career. And this has by far, I think, been his, his healthiest season where he's been able to stay on the field. So some good stuff here. He he spoke to the media yesterday right after Stan Drayton did. And, uh, and then I got some one-on-one time with him as well to go a little bit more in depth about some of the stuff that he talked about. So this is about 10 minutes here of my conversation with Temple tight end David Martin Robinson, then we'll have more for you on the other side here. The equipment game out there. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think will go through your mind when you go out there on Friday? Because, again, you, we were just talking about it in the other room. I mean, you um, – not everybody's wired the same way. You have talked about so many different things here, and you are – you really see the whole picture. So when you run out there for the last time, what do you think it's going to be like? I think it's going to be, you know, obviously it's going to be bittersweet. Um, 
it's something that I never, you know, like everyone knows when football is going to come to an end for them. Um, hopefully it's not for me and I'm going to do my best to make it not. But I'm also just going to go out there with the attitude that this is like, you know, I'm sure Coach Dre mentioned it too. It's really just laying the foundation forward, always laying the foundation. Unfortunately, I'd like to be a part of the winning process, but I can also I can still be a part of it by big sending a soft momentum going into the offseason. And that's the the mentality that I hope all my teammates are taking as well because it's still just another opportunity to play the game that we all love, and that's the reason why we all have played it, you know, and sacrificed so much. So it's just another opportunity to win. You talked about it just now uh, in the you know the weekly press conference about like that the positive attitude. Again, that's easier said than done when you guys are three and eight. If you had to explain to the fan base where is the mindset of the team right now? Because again, this isn't what you guys wanted. You guys wanted to been wanted to be. I mean, you want to win every game, mm-hmm. but you guys wanted to be playing for a bowl. Yeah. What is the mentality of the team heading into Friday? Mm-hmm. I'd say right now the mentality is you know looking for digging deep inside and looking for whatever reason you know, to go win this, this Friday. And then, you know, it doesn't really matter the reason. As long as you do have a reason, you need to have a why going into this game, especially when, you know, you know, statistically playing not for much, but like for, for the team playing for a whole lot. You know, there's guys on the team that may be stepping onto the field for the last time. There's guys, you know, there's still young guys that are still getting a lot of reps just because of what's happened to us this year. So I just, I just, I think everybody is trying to find a way to, to make this a game that's still worth playing, you know. Aside from yourself, like, who are some of the guys that, that keep it together in the locker room? When you come off of, like, there's the loss, and then there's a long trip home, and then there's, like, we could have done this, we could have done that, mm-hmm. and you guys have had you've had some blowouts, you've had some close losses, and a lot of games that you guys could have won. Who, who are the guys in the locker room that kind of hold it together? I'd say Victor Stoffel is an overwhelming positive influence in the locker room, especially on the offensive line. Um, you know, he's I, even if he's not having the greatest day, he's still always, you know, just spewing out positivity to everyone around him. Um, it's definitely helped me and like stay positive as best as I can be. Um, I'd probably say on defense, a lot of the linebackers, you know, McGee, He's been just, you can see through his efforts, he just keeps playing everything he does. Um, he keeps guys going. Uh, a lot of the safeties have taken, you know, a tough mindset. You know, they never back down. Uh, it's just, there's been a few guys, you know, people have stepped up at different moments and, and taken the opportunity to say what they need to. Ian Stewart is another one, you know, with him being injured and out. He's, try, he's really, you know, embraced the role of trying to do what he can to help the team still. Uh, so I'd say those are the major guys. What are you've, and you, and you? We just talked about that. You've been open about like the ups and downs you've gone through in your career. Could you tell listeners about maybe what one of your, if you're comfortable talking about what your toughest moments was here, and then maybe a real positive moment for you, where like whether it was on the field or off the field, mm-hmm. and that, like what each of those moments meant to you. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say. It's hard to single out the toughest moments. I will say there have been um, a few tough ones, but I'd probably say the toughest moment had to have been when I probably when I did break my collarbone. Mm-hmm. That probably was the toughest moment because mm-hmm. um, that moment kind of felt like you know that moment turned into a few weeks, and mm-hmm. so it kind of yeah. it kind of was a long, it was a, a long, bad feeling because mm-hmm. um, I broke the collarbone. And then, you know, we just, we were struggling 
that season and I, you know, I had a great off season yeah. and I just had such a different image of how everything was going to go that season in my head so that and then I also I, I had started in a major just a lot of things were going on at that time yeah. that made it really really tough um and then probably the bet one of the best moments um you know I don't take it for granted that we went to a bowl game my first two years here mm-hmm. so like in the moment, they might not have seemed like like uh, like the most special moments because it seemed normal at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we did go to bowl games, like those were very special moments. Like just realizing that we were bowl eligible, those were those were special moments. Um, you know, all the behind the scenes things that fans don't really see that happen, like interactions between teammates, there are countless special moments that I have with my teammates within these walls of EO mm-hmm. that I'll take with me for life like these guys have really changed you know giving me new perspective on things that I never probably would have reached without meeting a lot of people that I've met mm-hmm. in this building so you know it's it's really hard to single out yeah. like ones above the others who are some of those guys that you've grown close to like mm-hmm. and just talking about like that's a big part of college that people don't talk about as much yeah. with athletes the guys that you got to know and you you saw some commonalities that you mm-hmm. didn't think existed there uh I'll tell you what uh you remember who Sam Fraley was? Yeah, on the yeah. team. <laughs> I, we, me and him, we became roommates uh, for a while. We always thought it was just so funny how, like, how we ended up in the same spot to become friends. You know, he's he's from California, mm-hmm. went to like a JUCO out there, mm-hmm. just happened to come out here and walk on. Had never visited Philly before, and mm-hmm. we just we became really good friends. Became roommates. Darius Pittman mm-hmm. became roommates. Um, all the tight ends that have passed through my room, I'd like to say that we all developed a great relationship. The tight end room's always been very kind to me and just very strong bond in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, there's countless guys in my class that I'm very close with. You know, Eli Clark, mm-hmm. one of my best friends, and we'll be best friends for life. Um, there's so there's just so many teammates that I'm just so grateful to become friends with. You know, being able to have our lives touched. Uh, you know, my older tight ends, Kenny, Myrick. Mm-hmm. Um, had great conversations with them throughout my time here. Uh, Toddy Santeo was a great guy. You know, there's just there's so many. I could I could list all of them. It's mm-hmm. so crazy. What specifically do we, we talked about a little bit before just now? Like Kenny and the guys that seemed like a, a guy that seems to have like reconnected with the program after mm-hmm. he left. Between Kenny and Chris, I mean, they've had two sort of different journeys into the NFL. Chris didn't have a scholarship and just kept working his way up. Mm -hmm. Kenny was, I mean, Kenny wasn't super highly recruited, but Mm -hmm. he had a little bit more attention. What do they tell you about what it takes to get to the NFL? Um, When you get there, you know, it's all about who's, like, who's going to do, like, who's really going to put in the work. You know, Temple is known for that. Like, we're known for for creating guys that, you know, understand what the mission is and then just attacking it. So, Myrick, um, probably has one of the best worth ethics I've ever seen in my life. Um, obviously, he walked in here, he walked on here, earned his, earned uh, a scholarship in the end. He earned his spot with the with the Dolphins, earned his spot with the Giants now. Um, Kenny, very talented, um, but he's also just a hard work, you know, for the tight end room, like the biggest thing is being physical, especially at the next level. You know, you can't you got to be confident and physical, and that's something that they both exude when they play, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that I've paid attention to. What were your expectations when you came here? I mean, every, everybody who's good in high school comes in, they get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Like, were you thinking, like, I am an NFL player, I want to do this, or were you more of just like a take it a year at a time type of guy? 
Are you talking about like when I first got on campus? Yep. Um, I I will say like most people probably tell you, but I I'm not the type of person that I think it, it goes. Um, let me just get to what a lot of people will say that like I'm a humble person, and mm-hmm. I I do believe that because when I came in here, I didn't have any expectations. Like I truly mean that I came in. Um, I will say in high school. I had no doubt that I was gonna play somewhere in college. Like I didn't even, I didn't even plan. I remember I just played, and I was like, I know I'm gonna keep playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got to, to Temple, I I understood that I was coming in as a freshman, as a you know high school player. I was playing with people that were gonna be older than me, mm-hmm. so I just did the best that I could. I just that's that's just how I was taught and how I was raised. I just came in and just tried to do the best that I could. I didn't have any expectations of, you know, trying to be a superstar or anything. I was just trying to play my game and become the best football player that I could be. Um, I will say I didn't expect to play six seasons. No, mm-hmm. That's due partly, I think, to injuries. Yeah. But, you know, I'm grateful that I'm able, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys weren't even given the chance to play as long as I have, even mm-hmm. if it, it is college football. So I, didn't, I think I came in just trying to, I had a few goals that I had set for myself, but other than that, I, I just wanted to play. I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to have a good time. I know you're not the type of person to do this, but if you did have to self-scout yourself, like, mm-hmm. and you're talking about potentially getting drafted, getting in the league, mm-hmm. how would you scout David Martin Robinson? What mm-hmm. would you say you do well, and what are the things that you're going to be working on after Friday? Um, i say I'd, I definitely I bring some versatility in the pass game. I think there's a lot of things that I can do. Um, I'm will, I'm a willing to be physical. You know, there's there's things, there's setbacks that I've had physically that have you know ailed my ability to do that at times. But I there's that's something that I recognize about myself as that that needs to increase, especially going into if I want to be a professional player and play at that level. That's something that I need to do better at. Um, and I think there's years where I've done better at that and years that I haven't. Uh, so you know, I feel like I I'm a weapon in the past game. I feel like I can bring a versatility to the run game too, as well um, as a blocker. You know, as I, as I keep growing as a blocker and everything. What? About, tell me about EJ. You you guys seem to have grown close. I mean, like from the outside looking in, he 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 seems like you. Where he doesn't get too full of himself for a guy that that grew up with a, a Hall of Fame quarterback as mm-hmm. a father. Um, and when you guys talk about him in press conferences, I, I think it was a few weeks ago. Like he wouldn't. He just doesn't want to let us down. What what is he? I know you've been asked this before, but like now as he's getting to the end of his second season, where how is he? What is it? What, what sort of growth have you seen from him over these past couple of years? Um, well, in just one year, EJ came in. I think partly also because he was kind of similar to me as a freshman. Like he wasn't trying to be like the center of attention, you know, the loud guy and talkative. But now he's em- embraced the fact that he is like you know he's the leader on the team. He's single digit. So starting quarterback, he's someone that, that needs to talk, especially in front of the team. And he's really embraced that role more this season. And I think he's done a great job being in people's faces and telling them what they need to hear, especially in the offense, to get the offense moving in the right direction. Um, I would like to see him to can you continue to grow to affect the rest of the team that way, even if it's on defense. Um, speaking to more defensive guys, because he's he knows enough football to even correct our defense. If he if he wanted to, he could learn a whole defensive scheme and be out there like another coach as well. Um, so that's something that I feel like EJ's grown in and is going to continue to grow. Uh, EJ also you know worked hard physically over the season to, to you know to get a little bit more a little faster and I don't know if you guys noticed on his scrambles he has been a, a little bit faster than he was mm-hmm. last season so proud of him for that especially since the injuries that he had in high school weren't easy with both of his legs yeah. um 
but he's gonna he's just gonna keep going. You talked just now in, in the main press conference about Reese and about Peter. If you mm-hmm. could go in a little bit more depth, you know, we've seen flashes of what they can do. Mm-hmm. Peter's first catch goes for a touchdown. Reese seems like because we're running him on like jet sweeps and stuff. Mm-hmm. And what have you seen specifically from those guys on the field and off the field? As you excited about their future? Um, Peter, his mentality is phenomenal. You know, he's he's trying. He's a sponge. He just wants to to be coached. He wants to you know he wants to take the team where it needs to go. Um, he's not going to be afraid to pull guys along with him either. I think he's going to be a phenomenal leader in this program. Reese, you know, he's obviously physically gifted. He has the speed. He has all the things that you need. Um, you know, as he keeps developing his mentality and embraces the tough things about football, he could be something really special. And then another guy in the room that I'm really excited to see get his opportunity is Landon Morris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's going to be – Just couldn't be, play this year because he had to sit. Yeah. yeah. What, how would you describe his, his game? I mean, he had, he had the opportunity. He was good enough to get recruited to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. He was in Utah and now he's here. Mm-hmm. What, how would you describe him as a player for someone who's never seen him play before? Landon can – he's a – He's a playmaker. Man is a playmaker. He's someone that is going, you put the ball in his vicinity, he'll go get it. Um, and he's a willing blocker as well, too. Uh, so I think Landon's going to be a very nice, true tight end, like here. Like he's, he continues to get bigger. He could be some dangerous, I think, honestly. Mm-hmm. Looking across the line of scrimmage, I mean, that defensive line got decimated. Yeah. Um, you know, you got Demera came back. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was going to happen. And um, K.J. Miles out before the season even started. And that mm-hmm. was a guy you guys were going to be counting on. And then Alan Hay, just as he started getting going, gets a sack and that's Tulsa game. And then he's out for the rest of the year. Yeah. What did you see that that group go through? And what do you see for them next year? Man, I, I just saw them going, you know, just going through a lot of tribulations. Uh, that's across the whole team we suffered. You know, we were, we were a banged-up team. Even before week four, um, a lot of people don't realize, but, you know, we still had to go out there and try our best to produce, you know, for the fan base, for ourselves, for everyone. But that that D-line room, they definitely, you know, after what happened in the spring, too, with the coaching change and all that, and all that unfortunate, all those unfortunate events, they're probably one of the most resilient groups on the team because um, a lot was being asked of them and you know guys had to step up and whether they liked it or not um, and they really just went and did their best and I saw guys grow in that room that I wasn't sure without these challenges if they would have gotten to the point that they're at now especially my man Quay Mahone mm-hmm. he's become a phenomenal leader in the D-line room mm-hmm. a phenomenal leader um, and I'm not sure how how much he would have developed as a leader if it, if it hadn't been such a hard road you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I just feel like that room has developed a mentality that, you know, next man up, no excuses. You really just got to go out there. You really got to work. Mm-hmm. What has your relationship been like, just to close things out, with, with Stan Drayton? Because mm-hmm. he, he, I think he does a good job of walking that line. Like, when he talks to us, like, you can tell he's frustrated. Mm-hmm. Again, he didn't, just like you guys, he didn't want to be 3-8 and eight yeah. at this point. Yeah. And sometimes he's candid, and then he'll, but he wants to, like, wrap his arms around the players. And he mm-hmm. seems, like, about as emotional as he can be. Yeah. What What is he like? You know, he's, you played for multiple head coaches here. Mm-hmm. What has he been like? And what do people see? What do people not see of him off the field? What's mm-hmm. it been like to, to have the relationship with him that you have? Um, just the type of vision that that man has, you know, the, the, the faith that he walks with. Um, but I'm not talking about just religiously, but it definitely does stem from his spirituality. That man, mm-hmm. he just walks with a lot of faith. He believes in, in the people around him. He believes people are there for a reason, um, and you see it. Um, he, he tries to instill that within people. He tries to instill resiliency. Um, he believes that a lot of you know, trials are meant to be gone through. Um, 
and he he just he'll never tell you he'll never like beat around the bush he'll tell, he'll give it to you straight and tell you what he thinks um you know and that's very important on the team even if it's very emotional you know he's not that's another thing like I felt more confident also to talk about like mental health things because he's he's not afraid to bear his emotions in front of people mm-hmm. um and he's trying to you know raise like young men that aren't afraid to do that because it is very courageous to do that and it creates stronger bonds um so I believe he's someone that you know he's a real family person and like a real family person like he, he's trying to take care of people for life is that part of why you feel optimistic about the future? Because again, it's you know some of the guys that are that are have been mentors to you, like guys like like a Sean Bradley. Those guys like the portal didn't exist when they were here, mm-hmm. and guys could. Well, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. And again, not a lot of guys have have just quit. You know, in college football, like mm-hmm. we were talking about before, guys would be like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sit out the rest of the year. That would have been ripe for happening here, and so far it hasn't. We don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen in the offseason, but like, yeah. is it is there a different connection with this coaching staff to where mm-hmm. guys haven't jumped ship? Um, I believe there was a, a lot of positivity going into this season. I also don't know what's going to happen after this season mm-hmm. concludes, but I will say right now that um, you know people that have faith will continue to have faith, and you know there's there is there are diamonds to be found here, like you know. That's kind of what Temple's been, you know, finding the diamonds in your own backyard, you know, because you can win and you can polish yourself up. Um, you know, the people that are believe that will come and they'll thrive with Coach Drayton. Mm-hmm. You know, people that believe will thrive with Coach Drayton. If they don't believe, it's not going to work out. Well, a big thank you to David Martin Robinson for spending some time with me yesterday. Really just one of the, the, the better people, I think, that we've all covered over, over the last several years. He's really just always a joy to talk to and he's been a successful football player too like i said before we played the interview for you he's been healthy now you can see the the talent and the ability and you know he'll he'll look to hire an agent start training see if he gets into any sort of showcase games as he tries to move forward with trying to land in the nfl and and of course he's been an outspoken advocate for mental health resources and uh, just a, again, an all around good person to cover. So we wish him the best Friday will be his final game in a temple uniform. So let's talk a little bit about that game. Memphis is eight and three, five and two in the American. So like I said, a few minutes ago or a few moments ago before that interview with David Martin Robinson and losing 38 to 34 to SMU last weekend, the Tigers lost out on a chance to, to get to the American athletic conference title game. But Temple, nonetheless, is going to have its hands full with Seth Hennigan. Stan Drayton likes to say that player X, Y, or Z is the real deal. And in talking to us yesterday, he said that Seth Hennigan's the real deal, which he is. He's a very good quarterback. He was 35-51 passing for 402 yards and two touchdowns in that SMU loss. Last week, the 402 yards were season high. And he's one of just three Memphis quarterbacks in the history of that program to reach the 10,000-yard career passing mark. And uh, he also holds the program record for the most 400-yard passing games with five. So they can score, like kind of like a little bit like UAB, much better team than UAB, of course. They're averaging 39.2 points per game. Only SMU has been better in the league. But the Tigers do have a kind of a middle-of-the-pack defense that's given up close to 30 points a game. So Temple can score on them. Martin Chandler is probably their best defensive player. He's got 82 tackles, 12 tackles for a loss, two sacks. Memphis has 20 sacks a season, so they're not necessarily a dynamic pass rushing team. But 
Obviously, Temple's going to be a, a double-digit underdog in this game for good reason. Jordan McGee isn't likely to play Friday. That's a, a huge blow to Temple. Saw him yesterday. His arm was in a sling. We can go back and forth on breaking down different matchups here, but I'll, I'll put it to you guys this way. If Temple wins, and we'll go around the horn here, if Temple wins Friday and pulls off the upset, it will be because fill in the blank. Ramir, I'll start with you. I want to see. I don't want to hop out and be like the defense. So I'll pick a position group, I guess. The defensive line, like any anytime you play a good quarterback, you have to get pressure. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's high school level, college level, NFL level. Getting pressure on the quarterback is the best way to slow down. You know, said quarterback is especially like Hennigan is you, you have to, you have to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. If not, then if they get no pressure, you're going to sit back there and dice them up all, all game. Johnny. I mean, I, I think it's be, it'd be because of EJ Warner having kind of the, the game of his life. I think the only real chance that they have is if the offense is able to keep up with the, with Hennigan and the Tigers offense. And if they, if they can keep up and just hope the defense makes a play towards the end of the game, I think that's kind of, Really, the only way is just if EJ can kind of keep them in it. He seems to be the kind of the sole reason that Temple has been able to even win games for the most part. Declan, what do you have? Uh, not a person, but because the turnover margin is in Temple's favor, because that's really what ended their chances last week against UAB. I think if they can keep their turnovers to a minimum and maybe force a couple, like Johnny and Amir were saying, you know, put a little pressure on Memphis. And then, you know, it's maybe a little more smooth sailing than it normally would be. That's their best chance to win is creating turnovers and limiting them on their side. Other than that, I don't know. I think I'll go with the defense, too. Again, it's not that it's not that EJ Warner doesn't still have stuff to prove. He's throwing interceptions. The offense hasn't been perfect. It's been far from perfect, of course. But I think if Temple is able to upset Memphis Friday and there's we have a mailbag question about this and I think it would of course it wouldn't put them in a bowl game but I do think it would give them a lot of momentum heading into the offseason I think it'll be because guys like Dewan Black like Quay Mahone a Conlon Green affected the game on the line of scrimmage and forced Seth Hannigan into a couple of mistakes they have uh, they've been a really good second quarter team where they've really started to put space between themselves and opponents. So Temple's really, I mean, obviously they have to play the cliche, you know, full 60 minutes of football, complimentary football and all that stuff. But Memphis has been a really good second quarter team where they've really started to, in those games, really blown out opponents and gotten their start there. But I think if they can affect the line of scrimmage in any way there, I think it will be because those guys made a difference. Again, not having Jordan McGee, is going to be tough. It can be really, really tough because of not only just what he does and tackling in space, but because he can also bring some pressure. But I, I think if guys like that just play out of their minds and if they are really, truly motivated to say, all right, nobody believes we can win this game. Maybe we can catch Memphis the day after Thanksgiving. They're down. They're coming off the SMU loss. Now they're not playing for a conference championship. Yes, they'll be playing for a bowl game, but maybe we can get them when they're down. You know, but maybe that's a possibility. That would be my, if Temple wins, it will be because portion of things here. Let's do some predictions, guys. Ramir, start with you again. I think the defense goes back to allowing 40 plus points, 47, 23. Declan, you have your thumbs up. 
You go next. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I, I agree with Mir. I don't think I think they're just mismatched at this point against a good Memphis team. Like you said, that has more to play for. I think it'll probably be somewhere in the realm of some reason I like predicting 45s. So I'm going to go with a 45. Give me a 21. Uh, Memphis wins. Sorry. Johnny, what do you have? Yeah, I have 42-24 Memphis. I I don't really think it'll be that close, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd see this as like a 38-24 to game. I do think that they will come out and play hard and play well. We'll talk about this a little bit in the mailbag. I think for a, a team that is three and eight, I could see Temple coming out and being up for this game. I'm not trying to brightside this. It's been a disappointing season, even if they beat Memphis on Friday. Nice feather in their cap, but it's not going to get them into a bowl game, certainly not a conference championship or anything like that. But maybe they're catching Memphis on a on a down day. If you're Memphis, you're thinking, okay, we're going to be playing in a bowl regardless of the outcome of this game. So I think they'll come out strong, but I, I just – they're outmanned here, especially without Jordan McGee. It's going to be really tough. Let's go to women's basketball first. And I'm going to turn to you guys again. Again, it was a few weeks ago. We had a great conversation with Diane Richardson, and she talks a lot about positivity, preaching that with her team. She likes this roster a lot better than last year's roster when, of course, you know they were very shorthanded. It was her first season at Temple. But I'll ask you guys this. What can we make of this team so far? And again, they're playing some good teams. I mean, they're playing, I mean, they ran into a very, very good Villanova team and a very good individual 40-point effort over the weekend. But what do you guys make of them so far? Because, you know, they weren't competitive against Villanova and they haven't been as competitive against some some better teams. Again, it's it's early, it's November. We see it in the men's game. We see it in the women's game. Things can be all over the place. These these rosters, these programs are far from a finished product at this point. But did you guys expect them to be more? I mean, I, I, I'm assuming your answer is yes, but did you guys expect them to be more competitive in these games, whether it was the Georgetown or most recently the Villanova game? What do you make of this team right now? I expected them to be a lot more competitive in the Villanova game more specifically. I think they kind of came out flat early. They just weren't really defending very well, weren't rebounding. I mean, Coach Richardson said herself, they just did not box out. They let Adelchi, who was the one of the forwards, had mm-hmm. 18 rebounds. That can't happen. Like you said, she mentioned they didn't box out. I mean, if you Olsen's shooting the way she was, you needed to find other ways to hold possession and you know, stop letting Villanova get offensive rebounds the way they were. I mean, she had 10 offensive rebounds. I think in a game like that, Temple just kind of came out flat, didn't really rebound, and then in the second half, they, they any time that they started to amount a comeback, they, I mean, Olsen just had an answer every time. It was, They kind of got themselves in a hole early and couldn't really dig themselves out of it. Yeah, Lucy Olsen, 40 points. And if you read Johnny's story, you talked about the fact that last year when they played Villanova, they ran into, again, a, a future pro, Maddie Segrist, who ended up becoming the third overall pick in the WNBA draft. She scored 41 on Temple last season. This year, Lucy Olsen drops 40 on them. And as Johnny mentioned, Christina Dolce, 18 rebounds. And then Diane Richardson said, not taking anything away from her, but we did not box out. The fact of the matter is we stood and watched her get rebounds. So pretty honest assessment from the coach, but and not what I was expecting in terms of in terms of the effort. And again, I think they have a better and deeper roster this year. Is this something that 
you think they can work through? Is this just anything I say and asking this question is going to sound a little cliche, but I think we talked about this last week. Is this the product of a new roster or are they legitimately having issues getting up for, for games here? Because they didn't shoot or defend the three well, 16% from the arc. I mean, they're really struggling there. Four of 24 in this game against Villanova and they shot three of 18 in the win over Bucknell. Now they were able to overpower an inferior team. They, they beat Bucknell 77-53. They routed Dell State. So they were able to get away with winning and not shooting well from three, which isn't always a terrible thing, but they gave up 50% shooting from three against Villanova. And, you know, Diane Richardson talked about shots not falling and all that stuff. But is this stuff that they can work through? Or are you guys seeing some signs of concern from stuff that you think might have been you know, kind of slipping into this season from last season. Well, I think we said it last week, right? Like it's the blessing and the curse of having so many scores. Like, yes, you could have seven, eight, nine people go out and get buckets on any given night. But at the same time, if they don't know how to play together as a team, then they're not, nobody's going to be able to do anything because everybody's going to be expecting other people to go do something. And then, you know, the chemistry's off on the floor. And I, f- I feel like that's more what we're seeing than anything else right now. And again, like, it's November. Like, this is the beginning of the season. You know, these these things happen. I don't think it's anything to, you know, be alarmed about. But at the same time, you had all these expectations for yourself going into the season. It's kind of like what we talk about with football. And they're under-delivering. And I think that is a bit of, like, frustration. I mean, we we saw it in the media room at the pavilion. Like, there was a lot of frustration from that roster and it took a while for coaches and players to come into the the media room probably because things were being said in the locker room right like I mean your mind goes to all these different things that could be said and just seeing the body language seeing the responses that we got I just think there's a lot of frustration because there is so much potential and it's not playing off and I think that hurts as well like I think that hurts them because then you know, you want more results to happen a little quicker and they're not happening as quick as you want to and you get frustrated by that. So I think it's just a combination of things right now. And I think, I do think they'll figure it out before the conference slate, but these next few games are going to be crucial for that. And Villanova was going to be a crucial measuring stick game and you saw what happened there. Tomorrow's going to be, sorry, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, today is going to be a crucial measuring stick game. You know, I I just think they need to figure it out quickly. And I'm sure, like, it will happen because I do believe in Coach Rich and her staff. And I think they are good at developing talent. We've seen it in the past, this same unit, how they've developed talent at Towson. And they've, you know, brought along players to where they are now. I just think these next few games, it has to show a little bit of something before the alarms really, really start going off. Yeah, and that, and that starts against St. Joe's, and that's part of that doubleheader at the Leah Corps Center. Like Declan said, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, that's a doubleheader at the Leah Corps Center with Temple men, Temple's men's team playing Old Miss, and Diane Richardson's women's team taking on St. Joe's, and they've been sharp. They're 4-0. They blew out Ryder 71-49. They routed Yale 66-45. They beat Penn 77-49, and then they just beat Drexel on Sunday 64-53. So... It's a really sharp team that they're running into. So again, like Declan said, another another measuring stick game for them. As for Adam Fisher's men's team, 
They had a chance to improve the 4-0 for the first time since 2019. But instead, they lost 78-73 to Columbia. Uh, Columbia just really shut the lights, shot the lights out. And they were shooting 30% from three, I believe, heading into the game. And then and they just were terrific shooting the ball, moving the ball. Jaleel White's injury, I think, was was a factor. I'm not saying that if he played that they definitely win, but it, it hurt them. It's going to hurt them. We don't have an update as of now on his finger injury. Uh, he looked like he banged it twice in the game and then didn't finish out the second half, and that's their their top rebounder right now, and he'd been playing with some confidence. And uh, so now they're 3-1 heading into this game against Ole Miss. They're 4-0. Can't say they've really played anybody yet. They've beaten Alabama State, Eastern Washington, Detroit Mercy, and Sam Houston. Uh, they're coached by Chris Beard, who I guess is past his legal problems at, at this point. Um, they're more of a guard-oriented team. Alan Flanagan, Matthew Morell, and Jalen Murray are all averaging averaging double figures for them. And Alan Flanagan's a bigger guard, 6'6", and he's their leading rebounder at seven rebounds a game. But it, it would certainly, certainly help Temple to have – Jaleel White back in that game, but we don't know. And again, I think we're all on the same page in that this Temple team is probably two or three players away from where Adam Fisher really wants them to be. Another wing scorer, a big, uh, a, a transfer piece or two that they will look to pick up in the spring. So, you know, this isn't a, this isn't a, an Ole Miss team. We've talked about how worthless uh, preseason predictions can be. Not a team that was expected to contend for an SEC title, but there's some new blood there with the coaching staff. What did you guys think of of what you saw? I guess on the surface, yeah, you could be surprised by the fact that that Temple lost to Columbia. I, I think that I think I wrote this on our. I'll scoot message boards. I'll probably get clowned a little bit for saying this. They they have some legitimate talent. They've got a good sophomore class. I think Columbia is going to be a little bit better than people expect. Again, their only wins heading into that game were against D3 teams. So it's a game that Temple should have won. But what did you take from that game? And, and what do you see playing out today against Ole Miss? In terms of that game, well, in, in terms of like the season in general, they – they go on spurts where they cannot score the ball. And it'll happen maybe two or three times a game. And you'll look down and they'll have maybe like, let's say a nine-point lead. But then when you look back up, they're down three because they haven't scored in five minutes. And it happened against Columbia. Like, it can't happen. You have to find a way to put the ball in the basket, whether that's finding a way to get – Steve Settle going or just finding a way to um get Matteo Piccarelli open on a corner three or something along those lines. You you have to find a way to score the basketball. And that's something that they haven't necessarily been able to do too well, except in the opener when they, you know, won by 20. But other than that game, is like they they haven't been able to – even in that game, they went on like a seven-minute scoring drive or a scoring yeah. drought. Mm-hmm. So – they have to find a way to put the ball into the basket consistently. And against Ole Miss, it's like you said, it's a guard, you know, a guard-oriented team. I think they had the bodies to to guard on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But, you know, you can say all you want until, you know, tip off. You know, they have 
players that haven't really stepped up either, right? Like, I don't think we've seen the full potential of Steve Settle yet. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of struggled on the offensive end in, in ways that, you know, maybe in the rest of the season he won't. But he's been a guy that, like, sticks out as, as somebody that maybe can step up a little more than they have. Uh, Zion had a good game. You know, he had a good third, like, third quadrant of the game you know that first part of the second half but he didn't really step up in in ways that he did you know at the beginning of the season at least I mean he played well defensively against Drexel but you know he didn't really step up in that game and there's a lot of players on the roster that can help out and like you said John at the beginning of this conversation Jaleel White's injury hurt them because he very clearly did not feel comfortable on the floor and he wasn't as confident as he was in the first half driving downhill you know, going, feeling comfortable, getting fouled, that kind of thing. So it just showed how important he was to the team. But there's got to be somebody that steps up in moments like that, like you said, Mir. I think it should be Steve Settle. I think that we're going to see that in the next, like, two weeks, maybe. Maybe he gets a bigger role in the offense now that, you know, they need somebody that can score toward the interior-ish. Um you know, somebody that's tall that can put it in the basket and then could stretch the floor as well in ways that Jaleel maybe couldn't. So I don't I don't know. Maybe he'll get a bigger role in the offense uh, with Jaleel out of the starting lineup. We'll see what happens. But he, like, on paper sticks out as a guy that needs to be big for this team. Yeah, I think another thing and another area where you're missing Jaleel White is defensively. I, Temple really could not keep up with Columbia's ball movement. I mean, they really, you know, Avery Brown played well. They, they, they really moved the ball around pretty well. Geronimo Rubio De La Rosa is one of, one of the better players in the Ivy league can really shoot the ball. Those other guys that, that hurt them as well. And Avery Brown, out thir- Avery Brown, out 13 points. They had nine guys that scored at least a bucket. And then as Declan pointed out in his game story, 27 field goals, 19 of them, came off of assists in the half court offense where they were really just popping the ball around. It was not a ton of transition stuff. Yes. They tried to get the ball up the floor pretty quickly and get things set up quickly, but it wasn't transition bucket after transition bucket. And I, I agree. I think Steve settle could help. I really think Steve settle is going to be called upon the rebound more. Again, we don't have any sort of discernible update on Jolly white right now. Uh, if we have something, we'll, we'll pass it along to our Scoop subscribers on the basketball message board. Zion Stanford did have a stretch, as Declan pointed out, an assist, a block, and an M1 all-in-one sequence that, that got Temple back into the game. But they just couldn't finish it out. They've got to get Matteo Piccarelli going a little bit more. I, I think Isaiah Miller has been playing, as anybody's been able to see, with a lot more confidence. And it's not to take away from what he's done, but I think ideally they probably don't want him shooting – as much as he has, not to say that he can't shoot from deep and his shooting has gotten better, but they've got to be able to start spreading the ball around a little bit more. So we'll see Uh, without Jaleel white against Ole Miss could be a tougher game for them to win. We'll see what happens there. Let's go to the mailbag here, which is a little bit of everything. Some Thanksgiving questions, our friend Pat Egan checking in from 97.5, the fanatic. While we're talking about the fanatic, uh, we're really, really happy that John Kincaid has a clean bill of health again, has beaten cancer three times. He's ringing the bell at the Sixers game. So good week for John. Really, really happy for him and his family. Uh, just thinking of him 
and uh, just what that means to his family and the, and the the Fanatic Morning Show as well. The first question that we'll read off here is from one of our uh, one of our longtime listeners. This is from Twitter, Off the Hook Three, is the Twitter handle. Two part question here. Number one, if Temple somehow beats Memphis, does that change your outlook on the Stan Drayton era? No, not um, I I don't think if they win, great, right? You get momentum going into the off season, but it has nothing to do with the rest of what's going to happen. Like they're they're going to lose a lot of their good players this off season to graduation. Um, if it's like I don't want to say it's a meaningless game, but like in a sense, yes. Like if they if they win, great, right? If they lose, you know, they lose. It, it, I don't think this game has any, like, impact on how I personally view the rest of the Stan Drayton era or looking forward. Declan, Johnny, agree, disagree? I mean, I'll play a little devil's advocate because, like, you know, yes, it means nothing for this season. But I think it's at least a little bit of positive momentum, right? Like, I mean, it's a conference win against a good team that has something to play for, and you go out and beat them. Like, that's that's kind of a big deal. And then it at least shows the the guys in that locker room that you're not going to, you know, not wake up for a game regardless of what it means. Like, you're going to fight for everything, and it goes back to their Temple Tough sort of mantra that, you know, they're going to fight for each other or what and I think that's just like a cultural like a locker room type you know I don't want to say moral victory because that I feel like kind of demeans it but it's a moral victory like a little bit Um, but I do kind of agree in the sense that you know regardless of what happens in this game it was a disappointing season Mm -hmm. Um, and you still have a lot of question marks coming into these next few months with you know people either going to pro try to play pro football, whether it's people going into the transfer portal, you know, you got to make some decisions on some people they brought in this year, you know, whether they want to, I'm off the top of my head thinking offensive line, you got to think of what direction you want that to be. So either way, you're going to have those question marks. Yeah. If you win this game, like it's cool. Like it's a, I'm sure it'll be a big deal for those guys regardless. So, you know, just to, I like it in for this season, it means nothing, but maybe going forward, it could mean a little something. I'm with Declan on this. I don't, if they win Friday, I don't think it absolves them of blame from this year. It's been a, it's been a slew of a lot of things. It's been injuries. It's been penalties. It's been the, the, the cliche of like self-inflicted wounds, all that stuff. But I think it's a big deal if they beat Memphis on Friday, they yes, four and eight doesn't get you anything other than some good feelings. But I, I think if you beat them, Without Jordan McGee, it's an it's I think that's a big step forward. You know, there was again, I'm not saying that it's gonna be the same thing, but and it was Matt Rule's first season. They got a, a win on the road against Memphis to close out his first season. But no, I, I think that that makes a little bit of a a definitive statement for him to say, hey, we just we had really disappointing losses at USF, at UAB. Had they won those games, they would be playing on Friday for bowl eligibility and they're not. And again, unquestionably it's been a disappointing season, but I think it would be very meaningful if they beat them on Friday. Even if you catch Memphis on an off day, if they're like a little down in the dumps and saying, we really want to be here, 
We don't want to be playing this game. That's I think it's a big deal if you beat him. So I think that would be very meaningful. Does it completely change my outlook on Stan Drayton and have me thinking that they're going to be a 10-win team and win the conference next year? No, but I think I would definitely tip my cap to him and say, hey, you haven't lost the locker room. We'll talk about that a little bit in a, in a mailbag question, a couple uh, a couple of questions down the list here. But I think it would be meaningful. I don't think it would completely change my outlook, but it would certainly tip it more in the in the positive direction. Question number two from Off the Hook 3, who on the Al Scoop staff is most likely to call into WIP? My apologies, John Kincaid and, and Patty and to talking about your competitor here, but I got to read the question. I'll just say sports it's, radio. Yeah, sports radio. Too late. I said WIP. Wow. And uh, who on the Al Scoop staff is most likely to call into WIP and go on a five-minute rampage over a local sports team? It's Rymir, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Have you ever why. seen Rymir watch a football game? I have not had this... the pleasure of watching a football game with him. Like, I mean, I've sat next to him in the in the press box, but no, we're no, no, being no. objective and fair. But like his fans, no. No, Eagles games. He he literally has been quoted as saying, nothing gets me excited in life except Eagles football. And boy, is that ever true. I mean, you you sit down, you watch a play in the first quarter, and like, you know, not meaningless football, obviously, but you know they get it. The Eagles get like a four-yard rush. It's like, all right, hey, that's good. That's good fundamentals right there. That's hey, we like that. He's he's standing up. He's like pacing back and forth, you know. Or like uh, they'll they'll get like a first down. He'll go, that's a first down. That's a first down. And like the second quarter, it's like, dude, I didn't know this. Like, dude, you know, this like, score could be like forty-five nothing, and like you know they would get maybe a three-yard rush. And then get a tush push, and it's like that's 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 what we do. That's what we do. Like it's it's unreal. And I think if you caught Rymir in just the right situation, where you handed him a phone and he had no idea who he was talking to, it didn't matter. Rymir, I want to tip it back to Rymir. Rymir, would you pick yourself or would you pick someone else? If Javon was still on our staff, I think it would be Javon. Rymir, what do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, I say me too. But it'll it. It only would have to be for the Eagles. The Sixers don't get me that upset. The Phillies don't get me that upset. The Flyers definitely don't get me that upset. Nothing gets you that upset. Yes. I, the, the Eagles take me out of my character <laughs> in either a good way or a bad way. See, I think it's I think it's Johnny. I think I, I could I could absolutely positively see Johnny Zawislak calling Sports Talk Radio at any point during the day. You you love your baseball and I love you for it, but I could see, I could see Johnny calling in with the with the with the anger of a of a like a seventy five year old man and channeling the the collapse of the sixty four Phillies and stuff like that. Oh, let me ask you guys this: Have any of you ever growing up called sports talk radio and like waited and waited and waited to get on? It was I was at play by play summer camp. And it was when the Sixers drafted Mikel Bridges and then traded him away. I was not a very happy camper. And what? As soon as that happened, you're like, I'm calling. Yes, it was. I, 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 because we were all like surrounded. We were all mad, and like, I just, I, I don't know. Maybe it was like the mob mentality kind of thing, and it just kind of persuaded me to call in. Were you excited to get through? Was this a big deal for you? Uh, it was. Yeah, I guess so. It was. It was pretty exciting. It was it was a thrilling like the wait was kind of long obviously, but then like <laughs> once we once we got on it was fun. Johnny on the cell, you're on ninety four WIP. Johnny, what's on your mind? I love it. 
I love it. Next mailbag question here of the Thanksgiving variety from Temple Fan Al from our message boards. And so he's got a series of questions here, either or. First one, collard greens or string beans? Uh, collard greens, no contest. Collard greens, yes. Jai? Collard greens. I do love collard greens. I've never had them on Thanksgiving. A shout out to Rosetta Brown, my former coworker. I would be shocked if she's listening to this podcast, but maybe I will encourage her to listen to this podcast. Worked at Temple for a long time. Still lives in the neighborhood right by Temple. I love her to pieces. She's like a second mother to me. She made incredible, incredible, incredible collard greens, brought them in. She would just cook random stuff and experiment, and she would go to me and be like, Johnny's going to eat this. He'll eat whatever I cook, and she just made some of the best stuff. And I was like her, her taste tester. They were absolutely incredible. I don't dislike string beans, but yeah, I, I think I would go with absolutely go with collard greens. Dinner rolls or cornbread? Ah, that's 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 a that's a heavyweight contest right there. It is. Uh, <laughs> this might come down. This is split decision. You know, this is yeah. this is anybody could win this game. It, it, you gotta catch me on the right day. Yeah. You know what? It's it's cornbread, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Tell us why, Declan. Because dinner rolls are for leftovers. Okay. I think, yeah, dinner I rolls are versatile. Going. They're versatile. Okay, but cornbread. Got to be piping hot. Got to be fresh. That's when it's best. Okay. You catch me with cornbread at any meal if it's popping hot, piping hot and fresh. I mean, it it instantly becomes an attraction. But if you try and like reheat it, it's not as good. But dinner rolls, you can keep dinner rolls around. Dinner mm -hmm. rolls can, you know, they can come off the bench anytime you need it and get you twenty. I mean, it's it's perfect. Like, it's it's cornbread if you're just if you're eating it right now. But anything else, it's it's dinner rolls. That's the most animated I've seen you in potentially three weeks. You were you're you were gesturing <laughs> you were gesturing with your hands like my like my late Italian grandmother. I mean, you were really, really animated there. I love it. I mean it's I love food. It's, it's it's we're forty eight hours away from or less than forty eight hours away from Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday of the year. Uh, you know what? This is this is why I get up in the morning, is for Thanksgiving. So <laughs> Just like, <laughs> and not not beyond Declan. This is the most animated I've seen all three of you in weeks. Like you're you're like you're you're the facial expressions have changed. Your demeanor has changed. Maybe we. we I just got two days off. All of a sudden, we have energy. Imagine that. I, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I need to start catering our recording sessions in the in the Alscoop.com studios. Thanksgiving dinner or leftovers? I think this is also. I mean, people talk about leftovers all the time, but I've I don't think I've ever been posed this question of like, would you would would you choose the dinner or the leftovers? Leftovers. I think, I think I'm going leftovers. Me, yep, leftovers. I, there's just something about like like when you're hungry and then like you real like you remember like that split second like oh my god I still have leftovers from Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It there's just something that hits different about like the realizing that and then heating it up and having leftovers. I might go, I might yeah. go leftovers too. I mean, I enjoy the experience of like, of having everybody over. We're, we're, we're hosting again this year, but I, without fail, ever since I was a kid, whatever appetizers we have, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to just dabble into these. And then I eat too much. Then I don't eat as much during the actual dinner portion of the day. And then I'll just continue to go back and be like, yeah, I'll have a, fourth helping of stuffing like my mother-in-law stuffing is 
absolutely incredible. And then the next day I'm like, uh, am I sick of Turkey? No, not yet. We we do have a couple more mailbag questions left, but let, while we're on the topic of Thanksgiving at, at the outset of the show, I said, I wanted to talk about our actual Thanksgiving day plans. Ramir, I want to start with you because again, we were, before we started recording, I asked what you were doing and I, I love this. I love this approach. It is uh, it's, it's involved. So tell us what you're doing. Okay. So usually every year my family goes to my aunt's house for Thanksgiving this year. I will go sit there for a little bit, give me a plate, leave, go to the next house, get a plate, leave, go to the next house, get a plate, leave, and so on and so forth. We'll see how many friends I have around. I was <laughs> just like, whose houses are these? Like, are you just going down the block? Like, I'm right hey, how you doing? <laughs> He's got that to smooth voice, man. He could, Ramir could literally like talk himself into anybody's like, thanksgiving day dinner he's a very he's a very very charming guy he's got the voice like come on in what do you want Thanks, John. no problem <laughs> speaking the truth it's, potentially three, i got like three different places yeah i got i got i got like count in my eyes. i might got like two people in mind who i can that's not you know a crazy distance away where i can you know go over their house and steal their food is one of them johnny no, but I'm about to add Johnny to the list now. <laughs> hey, what you're, about John? You guys, you guys are always welcome. What about John? Yeah, not not too far away, man. Hey, yeah, I must hey, be having some issues with my PL box. You know, I didn't realize <laughs> you were hosting this year. Johnny, what about you? Um, I'm having my dad's side of the family over, so we'll be we'll be here. My mom will and Rymir and and Rymir and Rymir. Now I'll have to let my mom know. Um. So I will be amazing. I'll send you the address after we're done. Um, so my mom will be doing most of the cooking, and then like my aunts will come over and help her kind of like halfway through the process. Um, all like I think I mentioned this last week, but I'm kind of like the runner. So like I, I gotta get up earlier on the on Thanksgiving Day, and like if anyone forgot anything or I need to run out and grab something, that's kind of my job. Uh Declan, what are you doing for, for Thanksgiving? I, you know, still up in the glorious day of the year, still up in the air, still up in the air. You know, it's, uh, it's TBD. I know where we're going. And I think I talked about it last week. We're going visiting some family in, in, uh, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, little league capital of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the, the after part is a little, little TBD. So, you know, I'll let you know for sure. I like it. We're going to be, we're going to be hosting here. My mom, mother-in-law, my stepbrother-in-law, his wife, and they're, their daughter, who is now Chelsea and I's goddaughter, uh, my my stepbrother in law Hal's grandfather, who's also named Hal, uh, Todd's Lecky and his wife and their three kids are stopping over for for dessert. So it'll be fun. Couple more, <laughs> couple more questions here. One from JHG seven twenty two reprising a a question that he used to ask all the time. Johnny, how are your dogs? Tell us. I don't think we've talked about your dogs. Tell us about your dogs. Uh, I have two dogs. They're both. Uh, they're called Cavapoos. They're oh. so Cavalier, Cavalier and Poodles. Um, my mom actually had to just take my one, uh, my the older one, Cooper, to the vet. Like she just left. Like that's why I turned my my camera off. She was telling me she was leaving. Oh, uh, she had to take him to the vet. Uh, he's, Is he okay? Yeah, he's like anxious, and he's like he has like patches of like scratching from scratching himself and stuff. Uh-huh. He's like really itchy. 
So, and we don't know why. So she's taking him to the vet right now. Oh, and then the other one that I have, her name is Ruby. She is not even seven pounds and not even a year old yet. So she is very small. JHG is Fran Donfi used to say, appreciate the question. We have three here. We have um, my, we, so we have bear who we got last year from Kings mountain, North Carolina. Who's going to be celebrating a second Thanksgiving? We just a couple months ago got a new Shih Tzu, Cece, who's about seven pounds. She is certifiably nuts. She is adorable. She's beautiful, but she has just brought a reign of terror upon this house. She's very active. She runs, she pees wherever she wants to because she still has a couple more shots to get. So we can't really, we're not really supposed to like take her outside yet. I think she'll be very excited to go to the bathroom outside. I'm very much looking forward to that because I mean, she means well, but this girl is, is crazy, but she's very, very funny. I woke her up during the Eagles game last night. They had finally settled down to sleep. And I think, I don't know, like some sort of random second down play happened that I didn't like slam my hand on the couch. And then I just heard like a little bit of barking and Chelsea's like, you you woke Cece up. So I had to bring her to the couch. Bear rolls with it now. Bear's used to it. And we have my mother-in-law's dog, George, here, who is – George is 14. Is uh, He has a, a has cancer, but he's doing really, really well with it. So we're happy to still have him around. So the dogs are doing well, JHG. Appreciate it. Uh, final question here from Pat Egan from 97.5, the fanatic, a longtime listener. We really appreciate all the years he's been listening to the scoop two part question here. First part, how many players from the football team that are notable? Do you think will jump ship? That's a great question. I'm sure it's on everybody's mind. I I honestly don't know, Pat. I, I will say this, and I, I posted a little bit of this on our message board yesterday. And Ramir, you were, you were there for this yesterday. You heard David Martin Robinson talk. And again, we're not expecting this to make anybody feel better. Three and eight is three and eight and three and nine is going to be three and nine. I have no idea what you guys are laughing about something in the, the chat. Oh no. Anyway, I don't expect people to be happy with this season, but I, I this is not what you saw with Rod Carey in his final season. I, I don't think that Stan Drayton has lost the locker room. I don't think anybody's happy about what's going on. But, you know, we, we talked about this, and, and I asked Stan about Jordan McGee and Vandy Rigby. They were not made available to the media yesterday, not for any, like, grand reason. They just weren't. Like, DMR was the only, pl only player that we could get. But we've talked to a few sources now who have all told us that that both McGee and Vandy Rigby are considering coming back. They, they could come back for another season. Now, as Stan said yesterday, injuries could factor into that. Vandy Rigby is only being able to put six or seven games on film, said the, the ankle injury, Jordan McGee, his arms in a sling, dealing with a shoulder injury. And so I don't know how, we don't know how serious it is, but, and again, like Stan mentioned this yesterday, he's, he's drawn some attention from the senior bowl and hasn't, I don't know if he has an official invitation yet. I don't know if he's going to be able to play. And again, I don't know about that shoulder, but I think if this was like the last season of of Rod Carey's tenure, guys like Jordan McGee and Andy Rigby would be, if they wanted to play one more season of college, they'd be looking to grad transfer ASAP. Again, for whatever it's worth, and I'm sure we'll 
take some heat for this. The, the, the vibe on the program is not all that bad right now. Again, I think if, if they're three and nine next year and Stan Drayton's third season, you have a new president around, there could be some changes. No question. It's been disappointing through and through, but I'm not quite sure that you're going to see a mass exodus of notable players. We'll see. I'll turn it over to you guys on this. What, how are you feeling on this? Do you think you'll see uh, a, a lot of players jumping ship, as Pat says, and transferring, or do you think that's going to be a smaller number than people might think? I don't know. I mean, it's so tough. First, I want to say shout out to Pat because he is the only person I saw on my Twitter timeline that was questioning the Aranola deal, and I felt validated because I was the only person in our friend group that was. Yeah, he Just had that Game of that Thrones. He had that Game of Thrones clip that he put up there right of people of whoever it was fending off the white walkers and saying i'm I'm anticipating getting trash for this take yes and uh you know i just wanted him to know he was seen you know and i felt seen as well it's beautiful that's gonna love that um good i hope so uh i just like the only real question mark in my head is and like i you know it's it's weird saying it but egypt is the only like maybe you know because maybe he gets some sort of deal and goes and, you know, has an opportunity at a power five and like, you know, a bigger platform, bigger stage type thing. That's the only person that I think is probably priority numero uno in temple football is mm-hmm. getting him to stay. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, I don't see, because I think you're right. And I mean, you, you definitely have more sources than we do, but like, I, I think, the vibe is pretty good. Like, it seems like the vibe is fairly constant uh, in the program under Drayton, playing for him, that kind of thing. Second part of Pat's question, because there's always, it's always a two-parter with the big and in all caps. Which mascot, this is a thinker, which mascot, college or pro, would have the best chance to win the Hunger Games? I texted Pat back, and I said, are you talking Philly mascots? He said, all the mascots, John, culture yourself. I said, that's a huge pool to choose from. He said, well, you best get to work then. So this does not have to be Philly area mascots. This could be anybody. Wait, qualifying now, question. Yeah. These mascots still have to be in use. I don't know. Pat is probably taking his afternoon nap now, so I can't. I mean, I could. I don't know if he'll get back to me right away. Okay. Uh, let's see. You can go retro mascot. Which mascot, college or pro, would have the best chance to win the Hunger Games? Are we taking these mascots and like they're like actual for like for example, can Swoop fly or or is sure? Just... This is I explore the studio space on this. No, no, I don't think so. I think this is pure the mascots as they exist. Maybe Rocky, the um, Nuggets mascot. Or like um, Benny the Bull, one of them. I think one of them, or the gorilla from Phoenix. But one, one of them three. That's those are good polls. I'm going next so that nobody takes my answer. Um, it's hip hop, and I think hip hop wins hip-hop. easily. I think it's the probably the quickest Hunger Games maybe of all time. Um, you know, I think I think hip hop wins decisively. I think there's a reason hip hop's not around anymore. It was too powerful. And I think uh, the only mascot think, with a receding think, hairline. 
Look, I just I don't think there's a there's a mascot around that survives even, you know, a, a fighter's chance against hip hop. I think I think it's too easy. Oh, I disagree. I think I think I think Gritty gives him a run for his money. I think Gritty is crazy. Ooh. I think he nobody knows what the hell Gritty is. I think Gritty is still trying to look deep down inside to find out what he is, but he is he is a fighter. He scraps. I mean, sure. I could see, I could see him. I could see him being a force. A I think force. they're the final two, but I just, I think Gritty's too young. You know, Gritty doesn't have that street smarts like uh, hip hop does. You know, hip hop's been around the block, you know, two and a half times. Like hip hop is, hip hop is dangerous. Hip hop knows what he's doing. Like hip hop knows what he's capable of. I don't think Gritty knows fully, you know, who he is yet, who he wants to be. Yeah, but I, I think, think I, I think because of that, he's dangerous. He doesn't know fear yet, Declan. He doesn't know fear. He only oh, knows. Have like, you seen hip hop on a trampoline? Come see, on. I that thought that bunny doesn't know fear. See, okay. I thought hip hop was always like very gregarious. Very, he's like he's bald. He's got like the little orange hair around him. Like I never saw hip hop as like this menacing. Like I could see hip hop being like. No, go ahead. After you, sir. Like I think he's No, no. I don't know what hip hop you're watching. I don't I don't know. I, I think hip hop I was watching hip hop when you were still when you were still just learning how to roll over. You know, like you okay, were that's just, crazy. Tummy time. Is that, that a flex? But it like it's cool. You know, I, I that was a dumb <laughs> that was a dumb flex. I couldn't I couldn't think of anything. I was like, well, you're rolling over. I'm just saying, you know, maybe maybe you you saw the nice, neat side of hip hop. I don't think you saw, you know, I don't think you saw the hip hop that like would probably kill Gritty. You're really like bringing negative energy into this, Johnny. What do you have? It's a Hunger Games. What are you talking I, about? No, I'm just saying. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember hip hop in that way. I, I don't. But I, uh, you you explained your case very very I well, think Johnny. What do I you was, have? I I was gonna say Gritty with you, John, and I think. The, the main problem that I have with hip hop is I think he's past his prime. He's retired. He's been, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't, yeah, they been ran doing him much. Off. we haven't seen much of him. No, no, he's no, who, who knows what hip hop's like? Who knows what hip hop's like now? No one's seen him. They were too scared of him. They had to write him off. They but, made that stupid dog. Hip hop's probably eating like hip hop's probably eating like six cheesesteaks a day at the original Steve's Prince of Steaks up in the Northeast. Like, I think I'm he's saying, probably not taking care of himself. Hip-hop's not in shape anymore. How do, how do we know he's... he's how do you know? How do you know? But that's that's you know? my question to you. That's my question to you. You're guaranteeing it went from hip-hop, but you haven't seen the man in eight-plus years. First of all, not a man. The bunny. Rabbit. Whatever he is. Rabbit. Okay. Killer rabbit. Okay. I'm just he's saying, Rudy's like... here. here, and he's here to stay. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You're talking, all right, this is, this is my fault. You're talking about hip hop. You're thinking of the big purple guy. Yes, I'm thinking. I of knew it shot. when you said the orange hair. No, I'm thinking I knew of exactly what, what was you... his name. Was it big no shot? Might have been. That sounds familiar. Yeah, hip hop. I'm looking at, okay, so I'm on MMR's website. Yeah, hip hop. Yeah, hip hop's tough. He's he's he, he's strong. Thank you. I'm Thank thinking you. of I'm thinking a big shot. Do you yeah, got big shot? Big shot. Even. Big shot was absolutely freaking 
hilarious. I'm thinking a big shot. Did I say big shot or did I say hip hop? You said hip hop, but then you mentioned like the orange hair, and I was like, he has no idea. What yeah, we're big shot. About, so I'm just big shot was no. I remember hip hop. Big shot was incredible. Like built like a pear, orange hair, yellow sunglasses. I love big shot. Okay, that's why I was saying awesome. not gonna do you again. much good in the Hunger Games. Just no, no. Sorry. Okay, no hip hop. Yeah, athleticism. I still think that hip hop is more. I mean, I don't know, not that any of these mascots would really have like a killer instinct, but I, I still see hip hop being more friendly than competitive, but I could be wrong. See, I think I, I think Brady has a competitive streak in him. I think if you put hip hop, you know, life or death situation, I'm taking hip hop over gritty probably 10 times out of 10. Agree to disagree. I think we should breathe new, like fresh life into the beginning of our shows and we should name mascots until we can't. We could also, Pat, we could also revisit this question for Hoodra's birthday when they bring all the mascots out, like the crazy ones, like the PFCU mascot, like the just the mascots that wobble out on the floor. You're like, what is... Oh, like the big blow-up ones? Yeah, like what is that thing? You don't know what it is, but they bring them out for Hooters' birthday. Everybody has a good time. The kids just lose their marbles. Uh I don't know. We'll do a live scoop in the at the halftime show. Yes. And we'll decide which mascot would win in a Hunger Games just on press row yeah. when we should be writing our stories. And we'll do that for you at home. All right. Anyway, thanks for <laughs> uh thanks for putting up with our antics for for another week. We hope that you all uh wherever you are this week, I uh, hope you get to spend time with friends and family. We're very thankful to all of you as Scoop listeners. Appreciate your support of the podcast and your support of the site. And we will talk to you next week.